0: My next guest is a police officer. Please welcome 2020 Bravo Award winner, Sergeant Jeremy Lehar. Jeremy, how's it going? I'm good, man. How you doing, RJ? Hey, doing okay. Doing all right. Thanks and thanks for coming on. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here.
1: Cool. So, what do you do? When I met you, I was doing something a little bit different. So, I was I was working out of community outreach, out of public affairs. And so, mm-hmm. I'll kind of tell you what I did there and then what I've transitioned back to doing now. Mm-hmm. What, what I did when I was in public affairs, it was my job to go out and find ways to bridge the gap with the community, come up with different programs, events, just any any opportunity that I had to have a positive interaction with the community, that, that was my job. So, just we would have people call in and ask us to come and speak to kids for career days, and we'll go and speak to senior citizens about safety prevention and, and, and different things that can avoid being victims of crimes. And then whatever I could come up with, whether it be the podcast that I created, where it's cops communicating with the community, we do that, and we, we, we have guests come in, and you know we try and educate people on different uh, safety topics. The, what was it? The feet on the street thing I did, where I would go on the street and interview people, and, you know, kind of show people that police officers have a sense of humor and it's lighthearted, but it's also educational. And in the Badges and Bears program, where we will go into the hospitals and give the kids bears, brand new bears that were donated from businesses around the area and um, take their minds off of them being in the hospital temporarily. And I mm-hmm. love I was there for about four years, man. And, you know, I hated to leave, but I took the test and I promoted to sergeant here in April. And so um, with that, uh, thank you, man. Appreciate it. With that, my job duties have changed. They've gone back to patrol. So now I'm, I'm back in the patrol mindset. It doesn't really change the way I carry myself. Obviously, it's more of an officer safety thing that I have to worry about. But as far as my interaction with the public, is still the same. But now I'm tasked with supervising other officers to ensure that they're doing right by the citizens that we've sworn to protect and that they're out there talking to people the way that they want to be talked to and they're not putting themselves in danger or putting themselves in a a situation where they may get in trouble. Okay. Now with patrol, can you expand on that and talk about what exactly you do during the day? Yeah, so patrol, the the function of patrol is anytime somebody calls 911, right? Mm -hmm. You pick your phone up, you have an emergency, whether it be a medical emergency, whether it be a crime being committed or a crime that's already been committed and somebody's broken into your house, stole some stuff that doesn't belong to them, you call 911. Well, all of those calls go to the emergency, the HEC Center. Mm-hmm. And it's taken by a call taker and then it's given to a dispatcher and then it's put on the board of calls and it goes by a priority of code ones, which are things that happen right now where somebody's assaulting you or trying to break in your house right now. Or a business is getting robbed right now. That's priority one. That's when we come lights and sirens. Priority two, we're going to get there fast as well. Priority three is going to be like. A burglary of a vehicle and it happened already we're gonna go out there we're gonna get the information we're gonna try and get fingerprints look for surveillance video and and try and find out who did it so that we can get you those items back but the main function of patrol is you'll have like a area and in this area is broken down into beats and so you have officers assigned to this beat that beat that beat and that beat so if anybody calls 911 over here it's their job to go over here and find out what the problem is Mm. And, uh, and find a solution to it. And then also they have to be proactive to a certain extent. If they see any crimes being committed while they're patrolling in their beat, it's their job to handle it. But their main function of patrol is calls for service, which is people calling nine one one.
0: Okay, all right. Now, well, everyone knows police, and they think they know what policemen do based on what they see on TV. And you've explained some of it, so. Besides that, what what are some things that you think people do not know that they
1: should know about what you do? Or is there anything? There's a lot of there's a lot asked of police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's the job that we chose. It's the field that we the career field that we chose to go into. If you're a good police officer, if you really take pride in your job, if you have somebody who has called 911 and most of the time, nine times out of 10, you call 911. It's not because you're having a good day. Right. Right. You may be having one of the worst days of your life, whether it be right. somebody has assaulted you or hurt you, hurt one of your family members come in and really made you feel unsafe. They, they come in and into the sanctity of your home and taking things that you worked hard for. And now you don't feel safe under the roof that you pay for. So right. when we come out to those different scenes and we come and, and we interact with people. We don't come out there as robots. We don't come out there. What's the information? Oh, okay, I don't, I don't really care about how you feel. Give me the information. What they take? When they take it? If you're a good yeah. police officer, you're coming out there with a, with a sense of empathy. You're coming out there and you're putting yourselves in those people's shoes, and you have to understand. If somebody broke in my house, I would be upset too. And you yeah. have for them. If somebody loses a family member, because we get called out to people when they pass away. You have to go make sure that there's no foul play. You have to go make sure you get the information. You have to notify the doctor, the medical examiner, mm. or home. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, while you're doing that and you're processing the scene and making sure that there's no foul play there, right? You still have to comfort that family. You still have to mm-hmm. comfort the family. You still have to you know, let them know that everything is going to be okay. Let them know that you're there to help them. And a lot of times, I know me speaking for myself because I can only speak for myself. Whenever I would be wrapping up a call. I would sit there and just still talk to people because you just got to talk sometimes. I feel like 90 percent of this job in law enforcement is communication. Mm -hmm. If you can talk to people and show them respect and make them feel comfortable. And like I said earlier, this might be one of the worst days of their life. But if you leave that situation and that interaction and they don't feel as bad about it as they did before you got there, then you're doing your job as a law enforcement officer. And I feel like trying to catch the people that did it, that, that goes without being said. That's your job. But that interaction, that positive interaction, in the negative situation, that's what a lot of people don't realize. We have to counsel people. We're trying to talk. We're trying to talk to women who are in abusive relationships. And a lot of times they don't they can't see themselves out of it. They don't see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. And it may not be the first time that we come in contact with them. But we have to kind of plant that seed and be like, hey, I'm here. You have to let me help you. I have a list of people and resources that can get you out of the situation. I understand that he's taking you away from your family members and everything. But next time I come out here, if you're not going to give me the information I need to remove you from the situation, I can provide that for you. And mm-hmm. you know, those are a lot of the, the interactions, the positive interactions that a lot of people don't know about. And just the counseling that you mm-hmm. have to do, just talking people through things and letting them know, you know it's not the end of the world, even though this might be one of the worst days that you ever come across.
0: Right. Wow. Now, so with that, a two part question. Okay. One, with all that you said, the counseling people dealing with a lot of these things that a lot of people don't don't really think about or don't know. Mm-hmm. Did you know that going into this? And two, with all that, seeing that on a day to day basis, it seems like there can be a lot of stress at times. Are there certain stress relievers or things that you do?
1: Did I know Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not one of those guys that see, ever since a kid I wanted to be a police officer and I just dreamed about it and I always wanted to do it. I went to school for criminal justice. Nah, I didn't do any of that. I grew, I grew up on the north side of Houston in Studio Wood. Man, it's not a good part of town. And the only time, unfortunately, we saw police is when they were coming to pick people up and taking them to jail. And so mm. uh, with that being said, why would I see myself doing that? Yeah, I just knew I didn't right. want to be the one going to jail. And so as I got older i went to college i was communications major i thought i wanted to be i wanted to be mad hatter i wanted to be on a radio show right <laughs> now uh, right. as i got older i realized that you know that wasn't the particular field that i, I saw myself going into long term and then i thought teaching thought i was going to go into teaching when i got certified to teach right mm. couldn't find a job mm. so I, um, i'm like man well what am i going to end up doing and i'm like i love helping people i've always been that kid i just somebody drops something i'm gonna pick it up somebody loses something, I'm going to try and help them find it. Like, I I can't stand when people will bully other people. Right. Um, so with that being said, I was fortunate to come across some positive people that work in law enforcement when I was a teenager. And they kind of swayed me, just me watching them and seeing how they carry themselves as a man and, and communicate yeah. with people. Um, that's when I saw myself being able to do it. And did I know that all that was connected to it? No. But I'm glad that I chose this field. Because I'm able to help so many people and not just like, oh, I found this. I caught the bad guy and put him in jail. You know what I mean? No, I'm like help, just so genuinely helping people. Something as small as I came across somebody who was blind and he was living by himself. He was in an assisted living home and he had just had like a a mini stroke and he was discombobulated. I remember his name, Mr. Neighbor. This is when I was on patrol as an officer and um, elderly, elderly white man. He was like. I say in the 70s. And I'm like, Mr. Neighbor, man, who, where are your family? All oh, my family's passed away. Well, who you talk to? Oh, nobody comes to see me except my caretaker. And I said, well, you living here by yourself? Yes, sir. Well, how do you know what day it is? He didn't have a calendar. He didn't have a clock. Mm. He was just there. And there's all this mm. here, go down and stuff like that. And so mm. I just kind of took, like I said, empathetic. Now, mm-hmm. like I'm a family member, you know, I don't have any family members like that, but I was like, you know, if I had a family member, I would hope that nobody would forget them. So I started going back over there. I bought them a calendar off Amazon. I bought them a mm-hmm. clock, spoke to him. and let them know what time it was. And then I would yeah. just go there and take them food, you know what I'm saying, on the weekends, you know, and just go spend a little bit of time with them. Those are some of the things that people don't know about. Uh, those are some of the things that I had no idea I would come in contact with going into this field. But that's definitely one of the the reasons that I love that I chose this field because I just come in contact with people. It's about dealing yep. with people. It's a, it's about, it's about handling relationships and building relationships. And, and like I said, my, my chief always says relational policing. I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's true. It's yeah. about relationships in the community that you serve and, uh, and just, you know, serving those people and, and, and letting them know that you're there to help them. And I'm, I'm, right. I'm drawing a blank right now. What was the second part of your, your question? So the second
0: part was, Seems like a stressful job, and you know I've yeah. seen you, and you've always seen my beat. So trying to
1: figure out what are things that you do to relieve stress. Yeah, I feel like it's important to not 100% identify as a police officer, and mm. you know, the, you know the people that like that's all that that's all that life is about is just like, yeah. oh, law enforcement. I just want to talk about like, nah, man, when I get off, I don't talk about it at mm. all. I don't talk about law enforcement. I put some Commodores or some Frankie Beverly and Mays on music. <laughs> Music is my outlet, you know what I'm saying? Hanging around good people, my circle is small. Um, just being somewhere where I'm comfortable and I can relax and be myself and laugh. Uh, working out, lifting weights, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's my outlet. Yeah. I it, since I played football, that's been my outlet. Um, and it mm-hmm. spending time with my wife, my kids, and my family. You yeah. have to have, and then my, my nonprofit, mentoring young men and, that have grown up in situations that I did so that they don't make the same mm-hmm. uh, decisions and mistakes that I mm-hmm. did as well. That's my outlet. But our department does provide free psychological services. That I, I don't. I go. I go and speak to them. I've gone and spoken to them. I don't feel like there's a negative stigma. I mean, you right. growing up, you don't really. Oh, right. go, go go see a shrink. You know, what I mean, something's wrong with you. Nah, man. Sometimes you just got to go talk. And you and you go in there. You you like I don't have nothing to say. And then they ask you yes. three questions, and you just can't start, you can't shut up. They, they provide that for us. They provide peer support which mm-hmm. are officers that come That's out right. whenever you may have one of your fellow officers get hurt or you lose a family member or one of your officers passes away, they come out there and check on you. They pray with you. They pray Mm. for you. We have a chaplain. He's always available to go in and fellowship with as well. So they do provide those outlets for it. Now, it's up to you whether you want to utilize them and use it. But I think the biggest thing for anybody thinking about going into law enforcement is make sure that that's not all that you're about. Make sure that you have an identity outside of law enforcement and you have it before you come. You keep it and you don't lose it. And the only people that you hang with aren't just police officers. You gotta have friends outside of law enforcement. Right.
0: Okay. Well, you know what is great is that you mentioned as a teenager seeing that role model and and got you into kind of switching gears and getting you into being a police officer. And one thing I saw on the Waitsmith Foundation event we were at, and just online seeing you in social media is that you are such a big role model to others, whether you know it or not, to a lot of other people. And so I think it's come full circle. A lot of people see you and see the way you carry yourself and see you helping people, just like the the older man you you talk about. And I think that has such an effect on other people, just like your role model had on you.
1: I feel, I mm-hmm. feel like it. I, I feel like it's, it's, it's my purpose to to help people, man. Whether that be in law enforcement mm-hmm. or whether it be in a nonprofit or whether it be in something, that's what I'm gonna do. And I, I feel like God put me put in a position to to really be able to reach and, and connect with youth. Everybody, mm-hmm. that came that. not everybody likes kids, but mm-hmm. I, was, I was lucky enough to be able to run an after school program at Ecker's Homes for a couple of years. And that really mm-hmm. opened my eyes as to how much I love talking and working with kids. And like you said, growing up, you didn't really have besides there. We had yeah, the, right. the police officers coming in and talking to us, but none of them would just come in and speak to us, man. And I feel like it's important. You know, it's easy for us to have a negative interaction with the police or go off of what we see on TV and then go back to the barbershop and talk mess about how the police ain't this and they ain't that. And then share that with this person and they taking a share it with the next person. But I mean, it's easy to do that, but be the change you want to see. Don't sit on the sidelines and talk about how somebody was wide open and how they should have threw it to this receiver. You, know, this the you <laughs> yeah. didn't expect to play yourself. So I'm a big proponent of, of encouraging people. It, it's not what you think. It's more, yeah, the 10%, I said 90% is, is, is dealing with people and communication, but the other 10% is the actual, like, getting in chases and, and you know, all that and the investigations and hopping fences and all that stuff. Okay, that comes with it, but don't get into it for that. If you love, right. if you like helping people, then I, I really feel like that this is the, the, the career for you. Okay.
0: Now, you mentioned some skill sets like communication skills, teaching, relationship building and maintaining. What what skills and characteristics would you say are important to be a successful uh, police officer?
1: I may be a little bit biased because I am a communications major, but I feel like mm-hmm. if you can't talk, what are you going to say when you go out there? Like, you just going right. to be like, uh, uh, can I get your information, sir? And then that's it. The people are they're not going to feel comfortable. They're not going to want to connect with you. You're not going to leave there making them feel better than they did before you got there. I feel like, man, I, I've never met a stranger and God has blessed me with the ability to talk to whoever I come in contact with. And that that's from one-on-one. That's I talk to you the same way I talk to an mm. auditorium full of thousands of people. Like it's the same. Mm. So I feel Good. like communication is key because I've been in law enforcement for going on nine years and out of the The nine years that I've been on, I've only had to put my hands on somebody and really like tussle with them and fight with them maybe like four, four to five times. And they were on drugs or they had made their mind up that they just weren't listening. Other than that, Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk you in the handcuffs. I'm going to talk to you. And then whether that be if somebody has a mental illness and they're not all there and, and, you know, some other people may be scared and be quick to try and jump on them. Like, no, I'm going to talk to you. I feel like I'll take an extra five minutes on my call. And not lose my patience and just want to go hands-on and be aggressive to talk to you because i feel like you can you can calm somebody down if you can connect with them and if you explain to them hey you made a mistake that's why we are here i'm not here to judge you but i do have to do my job and in order right. to do my job you're gonna have to put these bracelets on for a little bit and i'm gonna let you choose <laughs> a radio station in the car on the way to wherever we going i'm just an uber driver <laughs> so when you explain it like that they would be like you know what yeah. man I did mess up. you right. Let me go ahead and put my handcuffs on. But if you like, turn around, get on the ground, do this, like, yeah. it, it's, you, you have to be able to talk. And if you can't communicate, this job is hard. If you can't right. get the skills are trash, you're going to get in fights a lot. And if mm. you have a bad temper and just being even killed is very important, too. You have to be able to control your emotions mm. because there you can't, it's not against the law to hurt a police officer's feelings. Does that make sense? So they yell at you, they they cuss at you, they yell at you, they try and make you mentally tough before you come out the academy. And the way I felt about it is when they was yelling and cussing at me in the academy, I was like, man, you can't call me nothing. The football coach ain't already called me. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? This this, is just another part of the game that I'm playing, you know, for these six months that I'm in here. And so when you get out on the street and people cussing at you and calling you all out your name and stuff, you can't get offended. You can't get offended. You know, what I mean, they don't know you. They just mad at the situation. And you just happen to be the person that they come into contact with. And if you keep that mindset and you stay calm, you don't let them bait you into being emotional and, and being overly aggressive. You, you'll keep yourself out of trouble and you'll be better at doing your job in general.
0: Well, That's a great way to look at it. And Good mindset. And you mentioned that it's only been four times you had to put hands on someone. So. What what have been the more common things for you throughout the years? Is it just domestic disputes or intoxicated people or what is it?
1: I mean, you named it. Um, you oh, yeah. It. Yeah, oh, you yeah. have disturbances, disturbances every day. Um, mm. People, especially now, because people can't go anywhere. so oh, really? They're stuck, they're stuck under the same roof. They're getting on each other's nerves. <laughs> they're arguing. They're fighting. I mean, you got the people who they, they still see it as an opportunity to commit crimes and rob people because they know people are at home and and doing Mm -hmm. things and spending this money that they're getting from unemployment so they're trying to come up like that so and then you have those domestic situations where it's family violence situations where you have men hitting on women women hitting on men families fighting those are are coming and then there are a lot of people drinking a lot of people Mm -hmm. drinking and driving you come in contact with a lot of intoxicated people but the thing that surprised me the most was the number of People that I come in contact with mental illnesses, just Mm. walking around, driving, working. Like you would not believe how many people are around here that are dealing with serious mental illnesses. Like they're on medicine, or they're not taking their medicine, and then they have mental health crisis. And we have to come out and figure out what it is and get them out of a situation because they're now a threat to themselves and others. And I try and tell my wife, I tell anybody, man, like, don't don't be quick to blow your horn at people or, or, or get in an argument. Yeah. You don't know who you're dealing with. You don't know what they're dealing with outside the home. Um, you don't know what medicine they're on or not taking. So I, I let a lot of people make it because I've come in contact with a lot of people that just mentally they're, they're dealing with some some stuff. And yeah. that, that was the most surprising thing. Just you come in contact with, with people with mental health issues a lot, like every day. Mm.
0: OK, there's always changing laws. Technology is changing a lot. You're having to deal with so many people with mental illnesses. How do you stay abreast of a lot of these changes and, and things that are going on to make sure that you're in your tip top shape and you're, you're ready to to tackle all these issues or or changes?
1: Um, well, I, I think our department does a good job of keeping us trained. We take annual trainings like we never stop going to school. We have to have okay. a certain amount of hours of training each year to retain our t license and okay. one of those mandatory classes that they take is for crisis intervention training It's for people with mental illnesses we take that every year
0: Oh, uh, that's good
1: we take a refresher and then they're constantly sending out circulars and emails updating us on the changes in laws and and things like that and then they do train you you come out certified i think houston is like one of the the top departments that really focuses on making sure that we're equipped to deal with people with mental illnesses and a lot of other departments are kind of mirroring that now and like i said i'm not are tired of hearing it man but even when they were teaching us that in the academy yeah. it was all, all talking they were like take a step back assess the situation make sure that there's nothing there that they can hurt you or they don't have anything on them that can hurt you and just sit there and talk to them if you know their name call them by their name and just connect with them and calm them down don't rile them up and then get them to a place where they're not hurting themselves or hurting anybody else. And if they are feeling like they want to hurt themselves, go take them to uh to the hospital so that they can mm. get it from a healthcare professional so that they can get them the help that they need.
0: All right. So you touched a little bit on the academy there. So part of it was the continuing education and training, and then you touched a little bit on the academy. So. What was that like going through the academy? I guess you're learning laws, you're learning uh firearm training, self-defense, computer skills, something like that. What are some of the things that you, you're learning and training? And just can you talk about, like, how it was and how it was when you yeah. graduated, your feeling yeah. and every, everything, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, six months in the academy, they don't expect you to come out knowing the the Texas penal code like a lawyer, right? So, <laughs> right, yeah, right. <laughs> They're going to spoon feed it to you, but the spoon mm-hmm. that they're feeding it to you on is like a bucket. It's like mm-hmm. it's like a, a water hose of information coming through a straw.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: for me, it was a little bit tougher. I'm not going to say it was easy because I wasn't a criminal justice major. So that was my first time seeing all that stuff. But the people who went to school for four years that were studying it, it was a refresher for them. All so right. I had to learn the penal code, the, text, the, the traffic laws. All of that stuff. And the first three months that you're in there is really intense because they're trying to break you down, kind of like the military. Yeah. And they're trying to teach you, hey, this is how it's going to be. This is how we expect you to walk. This is how we expect you to carry yourself. This is how we expect your uniform to look. And you got you to gotta deal with that, man. Like I said, if you play sports, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's just you get, it, you get into the groove. You play the game. And you really have to push yourself. And I, I had to find out the best way for me as far as studying, because I was overstudying. I was going to study groups and stuff and I was making my grades when where I wanted them to be. I said, you know what, man, maybe I'm overdoing it. I just started studying by myself and my grades went up. So you do that for the first three months and then you have primaries that you take, I think, every three weeks. And those are big tests. And if you don't pass those tests you can get kicked out the academy. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of stress with that, you know, it comes with that. You got to make sure that you're on top of your stuff and you're understanding what you – and retaining what you're learning.
0: Right. And then
1: you get past those first three primary tests, then you go to skills. And that's when you're going to – it's kind of like, oh, I'm out the classroom. <laughs> now I'm learning how to drive. And you're learning how to drive at high rates and speeds without hurting yourselves or hurting anybody else. And that can be stressful too because you can't knock those cones down. They're timing you. They're, they're doing other things. You're, you're doing mock traffic stops and all types of stuff like that. Then you learn about firearms. I believe that's two weeks. And then you do defensive tactics, which they're teaching you how to put handcuffs on people, how to use secondary weapons like uh, batons and tasers and things like that. You get tased. It hurts a lot. Five seconds. Um, You ever had a cramp? Wow. You ever had a cramp? Yeah. yeah. Uh, remember, sure. remember, you know how that cramp feels? That, yeah. that muscle pops up. Imagine yep. all the muscles in your body locking up for five oh, seconds. Man. Yeah. So, so you do that. And then you do uh, field problems, which is they do not calls, where they'll come in and you, you do DW, DWI's. You come in contact with somebody with a, a mental health issue or you have a robbery and you have to handle the call and see it all the way through. And you have to write the report and the charges and everything. So oh, that's good. It's, it's a good experience, man. It is mentally taxing. But um, then you come out and you have six more months of on the job training where you're riding with a field training officer. And they're walking you through how to handle these calls when people call 911 in real life. Like, you go out there and you have to get the right information. You have to do the report a certain way so that people don't get out of jail if they are going to jail. And you have all the elements of the crime and stuff in there. So, I mean, it's just about pacing yourself, man. It's like anything yeah. else. You know how stressful it is? Because I've had so many jobs. Man, I worked at Kroger and Bally's. And I remember when I first worked at Kroger and how nervous I was like, I don't want (laughs) to put the bananas in the wrong place. You know, Right. once you it's it's with repetition and, and just learning the best way that it works for you so that you can get the job done at a high level. Once you figure that out, it's just like anything else. man. I don't think anybody should be afraid to do it. Just know that if for anybody that's thinking about joining law enforcement, there's positives. But then there are negatives. There are things that you will see and you will come in contact with because it's a part of your job right. that other people will never see ever right. in their life. Like, like dead bodies, accidents where people have lost their lives, shootings, stabbings, things like that. Things that I, I mean, if I had a choice, I wouldn't want to see that. But right. it's just a part of the job um, and you can't avoid it. I mean, you right. have to handle it. And there are going to be dangerous situations where you have people that hate you because of the uniform and and you choosing to enforce the law rather than break the laws. So they want to hurt you or take your life if you give them a chance. So you have to be careful. So, I mean, but those those situations are are not you have. I would say if you got 10 calls, you might have one situation like that. The rest of them are laid back like reports. Oh, he. I called the police because his dog's barking. Can you go tell his dog to be quiet? <laughs> you know I mean, like it's, it's more stuff like that. But then depending on where you are in the city patrolling, you are going to have those high stress, dangerous situations. You just have to right. take your time, assess it, not put yourself or your, your partner's in danger and, and do your job.
0: OK. Now, one other thing with the academy. Is there a special bond
1: with the class that you're in in the academy? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I'll tell you like this, though. It's six months of being in a classroom with people that you never met before. If, if you haven't played sports, because you know you don't get along with everybody on your team, right. you can't stand everybody. God, oh, I can't stand that boy on defense, man. But he's my teammate. You know, made, you know what right. I mean, I got his back. He gets on my nerves, but I got his back. And, and that's how it is in the academy, man. It, it, it's you form a bond with those people. You may not be able to build lifelong relationships where they all at your house and spend your families are close but some of those people you do some yeah. of those people you do one of my closest friends he, he was in my wedding and he's one of my kids godfathers he, he was in the academy we rode, oh, we, rode nice. together. we rode together when we came out the academy and it's just something about you go through the academy and then you get out on the street if you ride with somebody and some of those dangerous situations that you in you know that yeah. somebody has your back you had their back and y'all out there helping people together it, it, it kind of brings you together like I can't really, I guess it's kind of like the military. You know how close those, yeah. those military bundles yeah. are? Yeah. It's just what what's understood it doesn't have to be explained type thing. Right. So yeah. um, you're not going to connect with everybody, but you do have a bond. So if I see any of my classmates it's like, "Hey, what's up, man? Good to see you." And 212, we always going to rep our class, but you can't help but but build a bond with people that you're in the in the same room with for 6 months. But it can be tough at times. It can yeah. be tough It is trying. It is
0: trying. <laughs> So tell me about what you love about it. Tell me about what you love about being a police officer. Man. Oh, you know what? Actually, before we do that, since we were talking about academy. Yeah. Let's talk one more thing. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the feeling you had when you were done? Is it like graduation where you're walking off, uh, where you go on stage? I'm thinking of like
1: yeah, they, police academy. Yeah, they you they make okay. <laughs> pin okay. you get your badge pinned on. and yeah, It's a big deal. It is. But for me, man, I'm a little bit different. And, and, and sometimes that's to my own detriment. Like, I, I'm always, i always, I feel like if you put the work in, I've already, I've already seen myself accomplish my goal. And I'm just mm-hmm. working towards that goal. So then when I get to it, it's like, thank you, God. I appreciate you. This is what you put in my head. I already saw it. I already visualized it. Mm-hmm. And I went and got it and I accomplished the goal. So it wasn't like, oh, my God, this is the best day of my life. You know what I mean? It was like, you know what? I put the work in. I was supposed to do this. And now let me get out here and figure out how I'll be the best police officer that I can be. You know and what I mean? Cool. So yeah. For me, it was like, I know I, I was happy to see my mom happy that I did it. She was excited about it. My fiance then, wife now, she was excited. And a couple of other, you know, my family members, they were happy. But I think they were more excited about it than I was. I was ready. <laughs> you know? I'm always like, what's the next challenge? Let me figure out what else do I need to learn how to do. Let me get out on the street and learn how to be a police officer. So I was more so, it's more so excitement. Anticipation, that optimism that I had for starting my career and, and getting the getting the heck out of that classroom with all them people for six right. months. So i was more excited about that. Right. Uh, <laughs> and,
0: and, all right. Now, what are the things that that you most love about being a police officer?
1: Uh, helping people, man, helping mm. people, and just the just the people you come in contact with on a regular basis. And and now for me. Uh, as a supervisor, as a leader, and you play sports, right, R.J.? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were you ever a team captain?
0: No, wasn't. Okay.
1: But you had, no. did you have some good team captains? Yeah. Uh, yep. you had some bad team captains too, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and you had like they were appointed by coaches, right? Yeah. Like you're like, man, how this dude end up being the team captain, <laughs> right? So. One
0: hundred percent. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> after,
1: I feel like I, I've gotten myself back to a place because I've been a team captain before. And I enjoy finding ways to help out my teammates, encouraging them and finding a way to connect with them, because what motivates this guy may not motivate that guy. And as a supervisor, as a sergeant now, the, the challenge and the most rewarding thing for me is finding out the best way to motivate and push uh, the officers that i are being tasked with supervising. Um, you know, of course I can, I can look at the stuff they're doing. I'm gonna try and keep them out of trouble. Hey, don't do this. Hey, do this a little bit better. Hey, try this next time. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I want to encourage you. I want to point out the positive things that you do. I want to come out there and help you out, let you know I can do the same things that you can do. Like that, that's what excites me. That's what's rewarding for me right now. And where I came from, which was in public affairs, the most rewarding thing for me, man, was just helping people, man. Like I just felt like, I was able to help more people in the community outreach from a place of community outreach than I was. Somebody called 911. Let me go out here, do the report, catch the guy, put him in jail. He's possibly out before I get home. I'm not saying that that's not an important function of law enforcement, but me being able to go out and I came in contact with just a random example. I came in contact with a young man. I would go and mentor boys at my old middle school on Fridays. They didn't Mm -hmm. tell me I had to do it. I would just do it because they allowed me to. And I came in contact with a kid who was in the situation, domestic violence situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, him and his mom had been moving from, from city to city because the dad kept finding wow. and they ended up here and they were uh, living in a pay by the day hotel and just ba- barely making ends meet. And so he didn't want to open up to me at first, but I stayed persistent with him. And eventually he started to open up to me and I saw myself in him. Not to say that I had the same circumstances growing up, but I, I didn't have the best circumstances and I could tell he wanted to do well, but, but he yeah. just did our stability. And so long story short, man, the, the dad ended up going to jail in San Antonio and I ended up helping them get into a shelter because she ran out of money and they ended up homeless again. They got into a domestic violence shelter and he was having to catch three, four buses to school every morning. he's falling asleep in class and, and being like, snapping at the teachers and they don't understand why they just think he's a bad kid and i had to go explain to him like listen he's dealing with adult problems right now yeah and i know you got 35 kids in this class you're overwhelmed too but you got to understand that all these kids aren't coming from perfect situations at home and so yeah. me pouring in the him, helping him watching him bring his grades up and setting certain things that he could work to and they have rewards for him working to it Yeah. and then when they got placed into an apartment because they have people that help them get placed to an apartment and they, they work their way up. They were in an the apartment. They didn't have, have any furniture. So they're there, they're like sleeping on the floor, but they were happy just to have somewhere to live. Yeah. And so she was mm-hmm. like here, yeah, but we don't have any. And so me, with my position, I could come off the street as somebody with a nonprofit and be like, Hey, I got the situation. Can you help this kid out? Maybe they might help. Maybe I got a mouthpiece. I can talk them in to give them maybe a, a chair or two. But mm-hmm. from as a law enforcement officer, Coming in, letting them know, hey, I've been mentoring this kid. This is what he's got going on. This is what's going on legally. And this is what I want to do for him. Do you have anything back here, scratch and dent, that you may have been about to send off or sell off that you might want to help them with? Anything. You don't have to do much, but anything helps because they don't have anywhere to live. And the guy, instead of giving me scratch and dent stuff, he furnished their whole apartment. Oh, wow. Like all the bedrooms, the living room, the kitchen. Because you know why? He grew up in a domestic violence situation. Mm. And for me to come in there as an officer, it made him comfortable enough to talk to me. And then for him to connect with that kid and be like, you know what? I can tell he wants to do better. Let's let's put him in the best position to be successful. So those are, are some of the most rewarding things for me as a police officer, being able to help people like that. Because um, I wish I had somebody that was helping. I did have somebody that helped me out like that, not on that scale, but the little things that they did That person didn't realize how big it was to me because I didn't have a a male figure growing up. So, any little bit, any nugget of information or knowledge that he would give me, I'd take it and eat it. You know what I'm saying? Run with it. And he taught me how to lift weights and everything. And I still hold some of those things that he taught me to this day. So, if I can pay it forward and and keep doing that, I feel like it's my purpose to continue to do that for the youth, to continue to do that for senior citizens, for anybody that I can in this community that I grew up and, and help them with my position. That's the most rewarding thing for me
0: in law enforcement. Yeah. Man, that's a great story and I really appreciate all that you do. And I think uh I tell people all the time that money's good to give to certain organizations, but I think mentoring, actually being there, is the most important thing for, for these kids. So yeah, that's man, awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Right. Well, Man, I don't want to switch gears, but let's switch gears a little bit and talk oh. about any challenges you had. You talked about some, so just any big challenges or things that keep you up at night.
1: Um, the most challenging thing for me is seeing good people get taken advantage of, and when you come in contact with them, and like you see children lose their lives, or people getting shot, and, and they were doing everything right, but they may be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and, and they. That their lives are taken. Um, mm. It's never easy to see a child lifeless. Yeah, those are the challenges. And I've come in contact with a child losing their life. And I had a situation where a woman was abducted and sexually assaulted. And her account of it was so vivid that I could see it. And I grew up with two women, and I have a wife and two daughters. And it just hit me hard. When I was on patrol, I had to take a couple days off. And uh, and just really hit the weights to kind of clear my mind mentally and physically wear myself out. And then I was I came back. I was good. And I probably should have went to psychological services and just talked to them. But at the time I was a rookie and, you know, I didn't know that that was there. But I would tell anybody in law enforcement, if you come across something like that where it hits home, go talk to somebody because you don't want to take that stuff with you. You may not realize how it affects you. But I mean, we're all human at the end of the day. And I mean, I would say. Something's wrong with you if you see stuff like that happen to people and it doesn't bother you.
0: Right, you, know? yeah.
1: you do have to have a short memory as an officer because you may get that call at the beginning of the shift. You can't go home. You got to that person, get the information, do the report, finish the investigation and then you're on to the next call. And yeah. then you're on to the next call. You just saw that person pass away. You saw that dead body that had been in the sun for two weeks. Can't forget that smell. Okay. Do the report. On to the next call. So it's like you have to have a short memory and you just have to be mentally tough. Can't be mentally weak doing this job or it'll really affect you and affect your health in a negative way.
0: All right. So you mentioned some experiences you had, And so one of these might be it. But can you talk about your most memorable moment you've had?
1: Hmm. You mean like like on a call or something?
0: Yeah. On a call or just out on patrol or anything Uh, that happened that just really stuck with you? Man,
1: one of the – I ain't trying to plug my podcast, but we have so many stories. No, go ahead. Plug it. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like cop stories, man. And I, and I think it's funny because if cops get together, they can talk about, like, calls. Like, man, you ain't going to believe what happened with it. And, like, the regular person on the street, they'll never hear these stories. And so mm-hmm. one of the segments that I did was cop stories. I, I, I give uh, police officers opportunities to come in and tell their story, whether it be funny, whether it be scary, exciting, dangerous. And they share it with the public. And one of my cop stories, man, one of the things I'll never forget, like you're asking, Mm is a funny. And so I tell it like this. I try and shorten it. So it was a call. Me and my partner, I told you about from the academy class. We were riding together. And we just riding and we hear an officer get on the air and say he's got one refusing to stop. Turns out the car is stolen. So he's riding around. The guy's going in circles looking for somewhere to jump out, obviously, so he can take out running. That car ends up crashing. The driver gets out, runs. He catches him. He's by himself. The passenger, he's gone. He takes off running. So whenever somebody runs, we want to set up a perimeter, right? We want to get on the outside, keep them inside of there, bring a the dog out, bring the helicopter over and catch them the safest way possible. Well, we're coming from the other side of the district. Remember I told you that area? Well, and then yeah. it's up in the area, It's cut up in the squares where well, they were up here. We were coming from down there. And so by the time we got up there to help out with the perimeter, I was like, all right, man, we'll go over there and jump in. They say they still have him in the perimeter. He was like, nah, man, that boy was running fast. He didn't got out of the perimeter. So we went down a little bit further. And uh, when we turned the corner, this on the side over there off of Chimney Rock, people were uh, pointing like, he over there, he over there. Like he's running. He was like, OK, well, I guess he did get out the perimeter. And so we come to an apartment complex and this around like November. So around November, it's it's pretty cold, right? And I don't know if you have apartments. They pretty much shut everything down in the apartments when it gets cold. So I said, okay. I tell my partner, I said, all right, man, look, I'm going to get out. I'm going to hop the fence. I'm going to walk through the complex, see if I see you, see him, and I'll meet you on the other side. He said, all right, cool. So I hop the fence. i walk through. Hey, have you seen this person? No. Have you seen this person? No. Have you seen this person? He wearing this? No. As I walk past the pool in November, Oh. I had to take two steps back, dude in the pool with his clothes on doing the oh, backstroke. Oh, my
0: gosh.
1: <laughs> doing the backstroke just in that thing like this. And I, and I took two steps back. I said, hey, man, what the hell are you doing? And he looked at me. He was like, what? I said, man, get out. Come talk to me. So his pants are on the ground right there. I don't know if he was trying to get the scent off of them so the, the dogs couldn't smell them or what. Uh. So he gets out, and the pool the pool gate is like this tall on me. I'm 6'4", so it's like right here. So he hops the pool gate, and he's standing right here. I'm like, okay, so he athletic. All right, so I feel, feel it, I'm here by myself. So I asked him, I'm like, say, man, do you live here? What unit are you in? He's like, yeah, yeah, I stay in unit 712. I said, oh, okay, so what's up? Yeah, turn around, put your hands behind your back. He said, hell no, and took off running. So I'm running, I'm chasing him through the complex, and I'm calling it out. I have to give the description of the suspect so they know if he gets away from me. And I'm running, and this is exactly what I said. The dispatcher still make fun of me to this day. I said, I'm running through the complex. Got a black male running, gray shirt. Yellow socks, blue draws. He's running through the compass. <laughs> and so I'm chasing him, and he comes to a gate, like a 10-foot cast-iron gate, right, with the sharp joints on there? Yeah. Over the gate in the wet socks. Wow. And I'm like, what in the man in black is going on? This dude is <laughs> athletic as I don't know what. So he hopped that fence. So I'm like, all right, cool. We got officers on the outside. We got them, right? And it's a narrow street. He don't have nowhere to go. So I'm taking my time, hopping the fence. He runs past the first officer, taking over. He fast. Wow. And then it's an older Hispanic officer. He pulls up against the gate like this. And he jumps out like, ah, I got you. Boop, boop, shook him. And then oh him back. <laughs> and it's a female officer. She gets out the car. She's running towards him. And she's about 4'11". And so she's like, don't you run from me. He's running towards her. I kid you not. I wouldn't no, come on your podcast me. and lie to you, man. Don't tell me. Boop, boop, spun off of her and she fell. Okay. So by this time, I'm climbing the gate. I'm (laughs) cracking up, laughing, climbing this gate. And so I get off the fence and he's running towards me and I size him up and I tackle him. And while I'm putting the handcuffs on, I'm laughing the whole time. Like you can't can't make that stuff up, man. You can't make it up.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Need to have that on video, man. <laughs> man.
1: I know that was right before we got cameras, man. If I had that, I, I would have had to go ahead and get get a copy of that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, man. This is towards the end of the podcast. So, uh, first of all, that was a good – that was a funny story, man. Thank, you, thank you. But, So, want to ask, you know, some questions, some quick hitter questions to get to know you better. But before I do, is there anything that I might have left off or you want to tell people? Um.
1: No, nah, man, we pretty much covered everything. I would just tell anybody who's thinking about coming into this this, this field of work this, as a career choice, just understand that communication is the most important thing. You got to treat people the way that you want to be treated. And if you come into it with that attitude and you don't get caught up in what's on live PD and cops and all that stuff, then you'll be fine. You won't get in trouble. You won't violate anybody's civil rights and you won't put yourself in, in danger. Mm-hmm. And, um, go into it with the mindset that you want to help people because you can help so many people in so many ways. Or you can just do the bare minimum and just go below the radar and just be another person, be another number, another badge number. Or you can actually get out and make a positive impact on your community. It's, it's up to you. Nice.
0: All right. Well, so with that, here's quick cater questions. So the first one.
1: Okay. What's your favorite sports team? The Texans, man. All right. Texans. That's a good answer. <laughs> I've been riding with them boys since 72 sacks, man. Golly. Oh man. All right. <laughs> so what's
0: your what's your favorite movie or show?
1: Uh my favorite movie is probably gonna be The
0: Wood. Mm, yeah.
1: And uh yeah. my favorite show will probably be Martin. I can watch it and I know all the words. Oh man, that's my favorite.
0: Yeah. Same here. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Favorite musical artist or group? My favorite, favorite musical artist would probably be J. Cole. Mm. Um I like Tony Toby. Brady. If I want to do, if I want to get close to home, I like Toby. Yeah. He's good too. But J Cole is definitely my favorite uh, rapper. Yeah,
0: a lot of people need to know about Toby, man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that song he had with Paul Wall.
1: Oh yeah, one of my favorite. Yeah.
0: All right. Favorite vacation spot?
1: Anywhere with with sand, clear water, mm-hmm. not too hot because I can't swim that good. I don't go all <laughs> the way out there now, but I get <laughs> let my feet get wet a little bit. And, uh, and good food, man. Me and my wife are foodies. Like, we love going to, like, eat Caribbean food and get the fresh squeezed watermelon juice and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just enjoying and relaxing. I love I love going to the beach. All right. And last one, favorite food or drink? Favorite food or drink? My favorite type of food is barbecue. Uh, I do love sushi. Um, And then my drink. I don't know who watching this, <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do, I do like that Brown, like Brown. I don't like getting stuff that just has like, everybody's on it. Cause it's uh, Hennessy. Everybody like Hennessy. Right, like, nah, right. I, like, I like getting stuff that's like distilled 10 times, as, 10 times over as Hennessy. And one of them yeah. is uh, uh I get that from Total Wine and it's, it's, it's smooth. Mm-hmm. It's it's. it's okay. I only drink that at home. I drink that at home. That that that'll help you mm-hmm. relax. Take that tension out your shoulder, right there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, man. So,
1: is there any way that people
0: can contact you? And and I know you mentioned your podcast. Uh, you want to give your uh, a shout out to your podcast to let people know how to get on. Yeah, that? man.
1: Yeah, I can give you all that. So if you if anybody wants to get in contact with me, if they want me to come and speak to you know a group of kids uh, when school gets back, if it gets back, we don't know what's gonna happen with that. I'll come with a mask. And I'll come ready to talk. But you can get in contact with me on my Instagram. It's Mr. MR underscore officer 713. That's going to be the same on Twitter. My nonprofit, you can look it up if you want to get in contact with that is the Houston Prestige Project. And then the podcast is the Triple C podcast. It's posted mostly on all of the Houston Police Department social media sites. But we just taped one because, you know, some people are visual learners. They can't just listen to the podcast. They want to see people talk. So we just mm. take the first one and that should be dropping here in the next week or two. And then I'm also working on another project that a lot of people don't know about, um, but I'll share it with you, is just given going into the whole mindset of trying to connect with our kids and let them understand that all police aren't bad and um, we are here to help you. And if you have an emergency, I need you to be, be comfortable enough and not be afraid of the police. I need you to run to them and ask for help. I created a book series and that was supposed to drop in April. That was before Corona happened. And it's called officer friendly. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a minority main character. He's a, he's a African-American police officer and he has a vivid imagination and he'll kind of go back and forth from flashing back to when he was a kid and was dealt with something like gun safety or stranger danger or something like that. And then he'll come yeah. back to when he's interacting with kids and teaching them about it. So mm-hmm. I, I just saw a void in the schools. I feel like there's nothing there All in right. the pot of light for law enforcement. Um, and that's a book series that myself and another African-American detective. Uh, he's my illustrator. We're going to be working on getting that out here once things kind of get back to normal.
0: That's great. All right. So exclusive here. Officer Friendly. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, hey, great conversation. I learned a lot and uh, great advice from you, too. And like I said earlier, you do a lot for the community and for the people, so I really commend you on that. So. Thanks,
1: I appreciate it. Yeah. But yeah. Looking right. forward, look forward to catching up with you next time. We we work in one of those Waysmith Smith reading with the pros things or something. Yeah. Or if, you got, if you got something going on with yourself, man, let me know. I'm a phone call away. All right, appreciate it. Definitely, I'll, I'll reach out. All right, sounds All right. good. Man, appreciate it.
0: All right, have a good one. You too. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions, or would like to be in the podcast please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.